الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد This evening we continue going through the topic of what is knowledge, who are the scholars and how are they known and we're looking at the topic of some of the types of or categories of things which have been confused by some people as being knowledge but are not in fact knowledge. And we mentioned previously, we listed what Ibn Imam Ibn Rajab rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned as things which were innovated, introduced into the religion after the Sahaba, which the companions of the Prophet were not upon and they didn't hold and they didn't involve themselves in and in fact rejected or rebuked and these are the innovations and the different types of disputation in the religion and discussion in the religion that is not based upon the truth that is found in the Quran and in the Sunnah and as understood and practiced by the companions of the Prophet ﷺ and the Salaf, the pious predecessors after them. And one of those things that we move on today to look at in, in a bit more detail is what Ibn Rajab mentions of the uh, topic of debate and argumentation and dispute, uh, disputes in the religion. Speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's religion uh, through argumentation and uh, trying to beat other people in debates and arguing to prove your point when this concerns the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we've already looked at uh, one aspect of this blameworthy form of activity and that is when we looked at the issue of Al-Kalam which is the type of theology that depends on philo philosophical arguments and uh, arguments based on so-called intellectual proofs and arguments uh, when speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His names and His attributes speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's wisdom and His pre-decree we already mentioned that arguing and disputing uh, on this basis is one of the greatest forms of misguidance and it is not regarded as knowledge in Islam. According to the correct understanding and the correct original Islam that the Prophet ﷺ came with and which he taught his companions and which the companions learnt and accepted and which they passed on to the generations after them, then Al-Kalam, this type of theology, philosophical, intellectual theology, is not from the religion of Islam and it is not from the knowledge that has been praised and commanded in, uh, in, in the Quran and in the Sunnah and therefore it is not one of the attributes it is not one of the qualities to look out for in a scholar remember we're looking at 
Two things. One, what is knowledge? And two, who are the scholars? And how can they be recognized? And all of this has been part of explaining and going into further detail about the first quality by which a scholar is known. The most important and the most essential quality of a scholar is his knowledge. And so we looked at what is knowledge. And we said knowledge is that which is in the book and the sunnah, in the Quran and in the sunnah, as understood by the Sahaba. Anything that goes against that or contradicts that, then it is not knowledge, no matter how intellectual or wise a person thinks it is. Today, we look at another aspect of argumentation. We already mentioned like uh, uh, what was quoted from Al-Imam Ahmed rahimahullah ta'ala when he said that from the usul, from the principles and fundamentals of the sunnah of following the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and following the correct religion is that a person does not debate and argue and dispute about matters concerning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his names and his attributes. And in fact, a person is not from Ahlul Sunnah, is not from the Sunni Muslims, is not a proper Orthodox Sunni Muslim in the original and proper sense of the word, unless he leaves off and he abandons, he rejects this type of disputation and argumentation about theological issues based upon these philosophies and these innovative practices. Today we look at another aspect of argumentation and dispute that is not regarded as knowledge and that is argumentation and disputation concerning halal and haram, concerning the issues of fiqh and the issues of ahkam. And so Ibn Rajab, rahimahullah ta'ala, he also lists this as one of the things that, are, that have been innovated into the religion, introduced after the Sahaba, and it was not the way of the pious predecessors. It was not the way of a salafus salih to argue about even the matters of actions, the issues of halal and haram in the religion in a way that caused fitna or that caused differing or that was not based upon knowledge. Even though uh, after generations of this type of arguing and disputation happening amongst certain people who were regarded as fuqaha, who, was re who are regarded or who were regarded as jurists and scholars, this became so uh, expected and so uh, normalized that people amongst the ignorant began to think that this is a sign of knowledge. That a person being able to argue and a person being able to overcome people in argumentation, a person who speaks a lot and argues a lot, that somehow this is a sign that that person is knowledgeable. Ibn Rajab, rahimahullah ta'ala, destroys this misunderstanding and he says about this form of innovated type of discussion and innovated type of knowledge, if it can be called knowledge, knowledge uh, as people claim it is, this type of knowledge is not from the way of Islam and it is not what the Imams, what the leaders of the Muslims in knowledge, the leaders of guidance amongst the Sahaba and those who followed their way, 
It is not something that they accepted, and in fact, they rebuked it, and they censored it. Destroying this misunderstanding that this type of being able to argue and debate is some kind of knowledge and is somehow indicative of a person's knowledge, Ibn Rajab rahimahullah states, وَمِمَّا أَنْكَرَهُ أَئِمَّةُ السَّلَفِ الجدال والخصام والمراء في مسائل الحلال والحرام أيضا. From amongst the things that the imams of the salaf rebuked and rejected is argumentation and disputation on issues of halal and haram also, meaning as well as issues of faith and creed, they also rebuked argumentation and debate and debating issues of halal and haram in a negative manner he continues walam yakun al-islam and this was not the path and this was not the way of the imams of islam wa inma uhdatha dhalika ba'dahum kama ahdathahu fuqaha'u al-iraqayn he says, Rahimahullah. That this disputation and arguing about halal and haram, issues of fiqh and halal and haram, this was something that the imams of the salaf, they rebuked and they censored. And he says, after that he says, this was not the way of the imams of Islam, rather it was innovated after them. It was introduced after them. And then he gives an example. He says, as some of the so-called jurists, the fuqaha, of the two Iraqs. And what is meant by the two Iraqs is that traditionally or historically, the country of Al-Iraq, the lands which are known as Iraq, were divided into two, uh, or they used to be categorized into two parts, two regions. The first was known as Iraq Al-Arab, the Arabic Iraq, which was where most of the inhabitants were from the Arabs, and that was in the coastal region and in the, uh, uh, in the plains of Al-Iraq. And then the second region, traditionally, historically, was known as Iraq Al-Ajam, or it was known as Al-Jibal, the mountains. And this was the mountainous region of Al-Iraq, and this is in the east, towards the east, uh, eastern regions of Iraq, that which is now, uh, much of which is now in Iran, in modern day Iran, the lands of Qazween and, and these type of places, Array, Wal Qazween, and these, re and these cities and these re regions. They were traditionally, in historically speaking, in that time, they were part of Iraq, now they are part of Iran. So he says, uh, giving an example of this type of disputation that started to be innovated and introduced into the religion by some of the so-called jurists, some of the fuqaha, those who involve themselves in fiqh and research and looking into issues of the rules and regulations of Islam, and they were supposed to be scholars of jurisprudence. 
So he said, as was innovated or as was in introduced by some of the fuqaha of the two Iraqs, when they started to speak about issues of khilaf, issues of differing and disputation between the Shafi'i and the Hanafi, between the, Shaf the followers of the Shafi'i Madhab and the followers of the Hanafi Madhab. And they wrote books, they compiled books about disputes and about differences and controversy between the different schools of thought, and they expanded on this. They expanded and widened the scope of this type of research and, and looking into these affairs and arguing about them. And then he says, And all of this is something which has been innovated, newly introduced into the religion and has no basis. But that became their knowledge. He said, That became their knowledge. Until it busied them and preoccupied them from beneficial knowledge. And the Salaf rebuked this. And the Salaf rebuked this. And then he goes on to say, to dispel this misconception, which is a misconception held by ignorant people. And that is that somebody who involves himself in disputes and argumentation and speaking a lot about these affairs, he has a lot of speech, a lot of kalam, he writes a lot, he speaks a lot, he gives a lot of uh, classes and speeches about the, and, and argues in the religion, that somehow this proves that he is knowledgeable. Dispelling this, Ibn Rajab says, وَقَدْ فُتِنَ كَثِيرٌ مِّنَ الْمُتَأَخِّرِينَ بِهَذَا وَظَنُّوا أَنَّ مَنْ كَثُرَ كَلَامُهُ وَجِدَالُهُ وَخِصَامُهُ فِي مَسَائِلِ الدِّينِ فَهُوَ أَعْلَمْ مِمَّنْ لَيْسَ كَذَلِكَ He says, many of the later generations, many of those who came after the Salaf in the later generations, were put to trial and tested, and they fell into this fitna. So they thought that the one, that a person who has a lot of speech and who has a lot of arguments and disputes in issues of the religion, that he is somehow more knowledgeable than someone who doesn't. So this is the shubha, this is the doubt of the ignorant that Ibn Rajab is about to demolish. He says, many of the later generations fell into this fitna, they were tried and tested with this thing. And that is that they thought that a person who has a lot of speech, he speaks a lot, and he argues a lot about issues of the deen, about issues of the religion, then he is more knowledgeable than the one who is not like this, the one who doesn't do this. And then Ibn Rajab says, وَهَذَا جَهْلٌ مَحْضٌ this is pure ignorance. This is pure ignorance. And then he says, وَانْظُرْ إِلَىٰ أَكَابِرِ الصَّحَابَةِ وَعُلَمَائِهِمْ كَأَبِي بَكْرٍ وَعُمَرٍ وَعَلِي وَمُعَاذٍ وَإِبْنْ مَسْعُودٍ وَزَيْدٍ بِنْ ثَابِتٍ كَيْفَ كَانُوا؟ كَلَامُهُمْ أَقَلُّ مِنْ كَلَامِ إِبْنْ عَبَّاسٍ وَهُمْ أَعْلَمُ مِنْهُ وَكَذَلِكَ كَلَامُ التَّابِعِينَ 
أكثر من كلام الصحابة والصحابة أعلم منهم وكذلك تابعوا التابعين كلامهم أكثر من كلام التابعين والتابعين أعلم منهم والتابعون أعلم منهم He said this is pure ignorance to think that someone who speaks a lot is knowledgeable and is more knowledgeable than someone who doesn't speak a lot and keeps quiet this is pure ignorance He says rahimahullah look at the senior sahaba look at the senior sahaba companions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and their ulama and the scholars amongst the sahaba like abu bakr and umar and ali and muadh muadh ibn jabal and ibn mas'ud and zaid bin thabit look how they were their speech is less they spoke less than ibn abbas and they were more knowledgeable than ibn abbas ibn abbas as you know is a great scholar especially in tafsir in explanation of the quran he is known as the habr of this ummah he is known as the scholar of the ummah he is known as tarjuman al quran he is known as the interpreter of the quran because he explained the quran and he had so much knowledge of the quran despite his young age but those sahaba that were mentioned previous to him abu bakr and umar and ali and muadh and ibn mas'ud and zaid bin thabit these are from the great scholars of the sahaba abu bakr is the most knowledgeable man of this ummah after the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam where do you find Where do you find the kalam of Abu Bakr? Where are his books? Where are his speeches? You can hardly find them. But he was the most knowledgeable man of this ummah after the after the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And likewise Umar. Umar is the most knowledgeable scholar in the whole world of this ummah after Abu Bakr and after the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. and likewise muadh ibn jabal ali ibn abi talib radiyallahu ta'ala anhu one of the greatest scholars the greatest most knowledgeable people to walk on the face of this earth and likewise muadh ibn jabal and ibn mas'ud from the fuqaha and the muftis of the sahaba and zaid bin thabit ibn rajab says look how they were their speech is less than the speech of ibn abbas and they were more knowledgeable than him And then he says wa kadhalik kalamu at-tabi'in akthara min kalam as-sahaba likewise the tabi'in the generation of students and scholars who took from the sahaba who came after the sahaba their speech is more uh, prolific than the speech of the sahaba was-sahaba a'lamu minhum and the companions are more knowledgeable than them وَكَذَلِكَ تَابِعُوا التَّابِعِينَ Likewise, the successors of the successors, those who came after the tabi'een, meaning the scholars and the righteous, who came in the generation that came after the generation that came after the sahaba. These are the three generations of the salaf that the Prophet ﷺ praised and told us that they are the best of generations. خَيْرُ النَّاسِ قَرْنِي 
The best of people is my generation, then those who come after them, and then those who come after them. That final generation is Atba'ut Tabi'een, the successors of the successors. Those who came after the Tabi'een and took from them. Ibn Rajab says, likewise, the Atba'ut Tabi'een, those who came after the Tabi'een, their speech is more prolific than the speech of the Tabi'een, and the Tabi'een were more knowledgeable than them. Yani in Islam, knowledge is more and better the further you go back. But successive generations spoke more. They had more speech, even though they were less knowledgeable than the generations that went before them. And that's because they had to. They had to explain things. And they had to explain and they had to, and they had to say and speak and write and pass on the knowledge to an expanding ummah. But that doesn't mean that they were more knowledgeable. That doesn't mean that they were more knowledgeable. In fact, the most knowledgeable people in this ummah were people that you hardly hear speaking, you hardly see their words. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu used to be very careful in narrating hadith from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and also was very careful in what he said and his knowledge made him quiet. His knowledge made him quiet. Because as we'll come on to see, knowledge is fear of Allah. Knowledge is fear of Allah and worshipping Allah and obeying Allah. Knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his tawheed and worshipping and obeying him. Knowledge is not kathratul kalam. Knowledge is not having a lot of speech, being prolific in your speech. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu was very careful about narrating from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's why you don't find many ahadith narrated by Abu Bakr from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam even though he was the closest companion to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he was also very uh, pious and very careful about speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his religion speaking about the Quran and, 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 and he was a man of action And a man who feared Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most and the best after the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this idea that people who speak a lot, that somehow shows that they're knowledgeable or that they have something worth listening to, and this is a misconception. And as Ibn Rajab says, وَهَذَا جَهْلٌ مَحْضٌ This is pure ignorance. This comes from pure ignorance. A person who thinks that speech tells you that how knowledgeable a person is, how much they speak tells you how, much, how knowledgeable they are in the religion, then this is a person who doesn't really know what knowledge is and doesn't really appreciate the true value and the true fruit, the purpose of knowledge. And that's why Ibn Rajab goes on to say, he says, فَلَيْسَ الْعِلْمِ بِكَثْرَةِ الْرِوَايَةِ Knowledge is not known by prolific reporting of hadith. 
And neither by prolific speech, by having a lot of speech, saying a lot of things. He said, but knowledge is a light which is cast into the heart by which the servant of Allah understands the truth and distinguishes between it and between that which is false. And and by which a person expresses a person expresses it expresses this knowledge in concise in brief and concise terms which achieve the goal of expressing the intent and this is the kalam of the salaf this is the kalam of the Salaf. This is how the Salaf spoke. They spoke in the most concise terms. They didn't speak a lot. But because of the ignorance of later generations, because of the ignorance of people later on, they thought that the Salaf spoke in simple terms. Or they spoke and they, and they, were, and they were kind of simple. They weren't sophisticated. They weren't that deeply knowledgeable. But the philosophers and the people of Kalam and the jurists who were fighting each other and arguing with each other on issues and debating, those were the knowledgeable ones. They're the ones who had sophisticated knowledge. But the ones in the past, they were simple. They didn't know a lot. And this is from the evil ignorance of many people later on. This is from the ignorance of people later on who don't understand knowledge. That's why they get duped and they think that philosophizing and debating and arguing is somehow indicative of knowledge. And we have to be clear here what we mean. When Ibn Rajab says that knowledge is not bikathrati riwaya, knowledge is not by, uh, or knowledge is not being prolific in reporting hadith and reporting narrations. This is not to say that our religion is not based upon a hadith. Of course it is. This was the point that was made previously when we spoke about what is knowledge. Knowledge is what is in the Quran and in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ and the Athar, the knowledge passed down from the Sahaba. So when Ibn Rajab says that knowledge is not it means that a person who reports, who just reports knowledge, it doesn't mean that he himself is knowledgeable. Because the Prophet ﷺ explained in the authentic hadith that perhaps a person uh, holds knowledge and he passes it on to one who knows more than him or understands more than him. So what is meant here is that just being able to uh, just being able to report things, memorize and report, doesn't make a person knowledgeable. And likewise, just being able to speak and being able to argue doesn't show that you're knowledgeable. Doesn't show that you're knowledgeable. Because knowledge is the benefit that you get from the book and the sunnah, the Quran and the hadith, and that is the light which is cast into the heart by which a person understands and recognizes the truth 
and can distinguish between truth and falsehood and then act upon this. This is the beneficial knowledge that is sought. This is the beneficial knowledge that the Salaf of this Ummah had more than those who came after them. And we have to understand that when we talk about argumentation and debating, then argumentation and debating falls under two broad categories. Remember, we're saying here that arguing about issues of halal and haram, arguing about issues of the religion, and what's right and what's wrong and what's uh, halal and haram and what, uh, what our fiqh positions are. Arguing and disputing in these affairs was not the way of the Salaf. The Salaf used to explain the Sunnah. And so when we talk about argumentation, we have to be clear that we are talking about the type of argumentation and disputing and debate that is blameworthy that has been censored in the Quran and in the Sunnah and in the Kalam, in the speech of the Salaf because this is what you find if you look in the Quran and the Sunnah you find that the quality of being argumentative and, and, and disputing and debating this is generally uh, this, this, there is a description or there is a categorization of this in the Quran and the Sunnah as being something blameworthy and being, and being the way of the people of falsehood. And likewise you find this in the Sunnah of the Prophet and you find it in the Kalam, in the speech of the Salaf, the Imams. If you look in the books of Aqeedah, the classical works of Aqeedah, of the early Muslim scholars who narrated from the Salaf, you find countless statements from them blaming and censuring argumentation and debate in the religion principally uh, principally regarding affairs of aqidah arguing with the people of innovation arguing with the people of bid'ah disputing with them delving into debates with them all of this is censored and some of this was mentioned previously when we spoke about Al-Kalam, when we spoke about the issue of this innovative form of theology which was introduced amongst the Muslims by the people of misguidance from the Mu'tazila, the Jahmi and so on. The Salaf used to censor and they used to blame anyone arguing and debating with those people. And they would warn against sitting with them and listening to them and arguing with them and they would say, don't argue. Don't argue in the religion. Rather, the way of the Salaf was to explain the Sunnah. Explain what is right. And then move, walk away. So we have to understand that there is a form of argumentation. Or there's a, there are two broad categories of argumentation. So that we can be clear about this. There are two broad categories of argumentation. The first is the blameworthy form of argumentation. And this is known as al-jidal al-madhmum, blameworthy argumentation or debate. And this is the type of argumentation which is not based on knowledge, or it is the type of argumentation which, is, uh, which causes evil and fitna between people, and, uh, and it is done in order to aid falsehood 
to prove something false to be correct and is done against the truth. This is, in summary, what the scholars of Islam from the Imams of the Salaf until the present day, the great scholars of Islam, what they have explained, that this type of jidal, this type of argumentation in the religion is not specific only to issues of aqidah. It also, as we saw from the statements of Ibn Rajab, it is also not a good thing to argue, and in fact it is an innovative practice to argue about issues of halal and haram in a blameworthy manner. And what we mean by a blameworthy manner is either the argumentation is done based on ignorance and not based on knowledge. The person is not qualified to argue and is not qualified to debate the issues of the religion and debates based upon ignorance. Because ignorance, it's haram, it's one of the greatest sins to speak about Allah and his religion without knowledge. So clearly a person who tries to debate and tries to argue about religious affairs and he doesn't have knowledge, then this type of person is blameworthy. Without doubt. And another form of blameworthy argumentation is when argumentation is done bishagab, as the ulama say, bishagab meaning causing fitna, causing, uh, causing troubles and evils amongst people, pitting them against each other in a way that splits them apart or causes fights and arguments. And when it is done, to aid a false position, a wrong position. When somebody argues to support a bid'ah or to support a falsehood or to support something which is haram, then this is also blameworthy type of argumentation. The other broad category is that which the ulama, the scholars have mentioned, is found in the Quran and in the Sunnah where we find that there are verses in the Qur'an which command the messenger and which command the people of truth to argue in order to call people, to, in order to defend the truth and call people to the truth. And this is a form of debate or arguing which, has been, which is praiseworthy and in, cer in certain circumstances is wajib, is obligatory, as the ulama have stated. And this is when a person calls others to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and has to explain to them and debate with them in the, in the best way. And this is what is commanded in the Qur'an, as you will remember, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَجَادِلْهُمْ أَحْسَنٌ And argue with them, in ways which are best. Argue with them in the best way. And this is the, this is the type of argumentation which is based upon knowledge and it is done in order to aid, support and call to the truth. And it is done as long as it is hoped that the truth will be accepted and the truth is being sought. And this is a, a, a condition that the ulama have explained when it comes to debating and arguing 
between two people who want to argue about an issue in the religion. One of the conditions that is mentioned is not only that both of the people have to have the knowledge to be able to debate without lying about Allah, without lying against Allah, without speaking about Allah, without knowledge, but also they both have to want to achieve the truth and the intention is to arrive at the truth and the intention is not to beat the other person and win the argument. As long as that sincerity is there, then this type of, this, uh, this type of arguing when we want to arrive at the truth and we're both searching for the truth, then this type of debate is the type of debate that falls into the category of being praiseworthy and allowed and sometimes necessary in order to arrive at the truth. And so it has conditions. One of the conditions is knowledge and one of them is that both parties, both sides have to want, uh, they ha it has to be apparent that they want the truth and that they are seeking the truth. If it becomes apparent that one or both sides don't want the truth and they're arguing for, for another reason, then this type of dispute and argumentation becomes blameworthy. And it's something that a person should not involve himself in. This basically is the summary of what the ulama, the scholars have explained about argumentation in the religion. The rule is that we don't argue in our religion. We don't debate in our religion in order to beat each other or to win an argument. We don't debate with the people of innovation, the people of bid'ah and the people of falsehood. But those who are qualified with knowledge, they defend Islam and they refute the people of falsehood. And if this involves them arguing with some of the people of falsehood to defend the religion or to explain the truth to them so that they can come back to the truth, then this is what is allowed and this is what is commanded. And this is what the texts of the Quran and the Sunnah Indicate, and this is what the speech, the explanation of the scholars throughout the ages, uh, this is what they say in explanation. With regards to the praiseworthy type of argumentation or debate, then it is mentioned in the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah An-Nahl, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, commanding his messenger, Ud'u ila sabili rabbika bil hikmati wal hasana وَجَادِلْهُمْ بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنْ إِنَّ رَبَّكَ هُوَ أَعْلَمُ بِمَنْ ضَلَّ عَنْ سَبِيلِهِ وَهُوَ أَعْلَمُ بِالْمُهْتَدِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded his messenger and said to his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam call to the way of your Lord with wisdom and fair preaching and exhortation وَجَادِلْهُمْ بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنْ and argue with them in ways which are best, in the best way, meaning based on knowledge and wisdom and based upon good character and, and the soundest and strongest of arguments. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for the purpose of da'wah, for the purpose of calling others to the truth, he commands his messenger to argue with them, meaning the Jews and the Christians and the unbelievers, 
to argue with them in ways which are best. This is what has been commanded in the Quran. Likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned this for the believers as a whole. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Ankabut, وَلَا تُجَادِلُوا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ إِلَّا بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنُ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْهُمْ وَقُولُوا آمَنَّا بِالَّذِي أُنزِلَ إِلَيْنَا وَأُنزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ وَإِلَاهُنَا وَإِلَاهُكُمْ وَاحِدٌ وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ Do not argue with the people of Scripture, the Jews and the Christians, except in the best way. إِلَّا بِالَّتِيهِ أَحْسَنٌ Do not argue. This jidal again has been forbidden, except in the best way. Except in the best way And then there's another exception In the ayah Except those who do wrong Except those who do wrong Meaning don't debate and don't argue With those who do dhulm From the people of the book Those who are unjust and unfair And they don't want to seek the truth Don't debate with them Don't argue with them And say we believe in that which has been revealed to us and that which was revealed to you from Allah and our ilah, our God, our deity that we worship and your God is one, is one God, not three, is one God and we submit to him, we submit to him. So here again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded that the people of scripture, the Jews and the Christians, should be argued with and debated with in order to call them to the truth by using the best means, meaning knowledge, insight, and good character. Except those who do wrong. Those who it becomes clear from them that they don't want the truth and they want to try and beat you and they want to try to, uh, uh, um, uh, they want to try to destroy you, they want to do wrong to you, then don't debate with them, don't argue with them. And this is something you will see many people today, they fall into direct contravention and contradiction to what is mentioned in these ayat. Even in the affair of da'wah, even in the affair of calling others to Islam. You find from the people of misguidance and the people of bid'ah, from amongst the Muslims, those who will debate and argue with the people of false religions in a way which contravenes and contradicts that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed in the Quran, all in the name of da'wah, all in the name of so-called calling people to Islam. And they're not really calling people to Islam. So you find people debating and arguing without knowledge. They don't have knowledge. They don't have the requisite and proper knowledge. And then they enter into debates and disputes. And you find people debating and disputing with the unbelievers, the people of other religions, not in order to clarify the truth, but in order for everyone to get along Nicely to, heart, to, to, uh, to develop mutual respect 
Not to, tell, not to inform people that they're upon falsehood and that they need to come to the truth for their own benefit. Not, not to clearly distinguish between that which is true and that which is false. But in order to develop mutual respect and brotherhood. Or they debate and argue with the people of other religions when it becomes clear that those people, when it has become clear that those other people that they're attempting to argue with and debate with, they don't, they don't want the truth. And that they are being unjust and unfair and insincere in what they are participating in. You find people doing this. All of this is in contravention to the book and the sunnah and it causes more harm than good. It causes more harm than good. When a person argues and debates about the religion, about the deen, in a way which is false or in a way which is wrong, then the harm of this doesn't just come back upon the person, the Muslim who is making the mistake, but the harm of this comes back upon the whole of the religion in the hearts and minds of people. Because a person, if he's ignorant and he debates and he argues in the wrong way or for the wrong reason or without being qualified, then that person harms the da'wah. He harms the call to Allah because he turns people away from the religion. He puts people off the religion. He may even lose the argument and the debate because he doesn't have the knowledge. He may appear to be defeated. And in the minds and hearts of people, Islam has been defeated. Because of his own ignorance. Or because of the underhanded approach of the other side. So that's why keep in mind the statement of Allah. Look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in this ayah, in this noble ayah. وَلَا تُجَادِلُوا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ إِلَّا بِالَّتِهِ أَحْسَنِ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا Do not argue with the people of scripture except in the best way, except those who do wrong amongst them. Don't argue with them, don't debate with them. What are the people doing now? They're arguing with all kinds of people and all kinds of uh, Christians and all these type of people in order to inflate their own numbers or in order to show themselves as being uh, capable but in many if not all of these cases those Muslims are falling into contradiction to what is in the Quran anyway the point is that this type of Argumentation has been commanded in the Quran that a person argues in order to establish the truth when he is qualified to do so and when this is in aid of the deen of Allah, when this aids and supports the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As for the blameworthy form of argumentation, then this is mentioned in many texts in the Sunnah as well as in narrations from the Salaf that they held as a rule that we do not argue and dispute about matters of religion 
even in matters of halal and haram, as Ibn Rajab uh, has made this point, and this is the point that we're looking at. And I will finish, I will conclude today by mentioning some of those texts. The first of them is a very serious hadith from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in which he said مَا ضَلَّ قَوْمٌ بَعْدَ هُدًا كَانُوا عَلَيْهِ إِلَّا أُوتُوا الْجَدَلِ ثُمَّ قَرَأَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ هَذِهِ الْآيَةِ مَا ضَرَبُوهُ لَكَ إِلَّا جَدَلًا بَلْ هُمْ قَوْمٌ خَصِمُونَ Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith which is reported by At-Tirmidhi and Imam Ahmad in his Musnad and others and has been graded sahih, graded authentic by Al-Albani rahimahullahu ta'ala. He said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam never do a people go astray after having been on guidance except that they are given to arguing. And then he recited the ayah from Surah Al-Zukhruf where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said مَا ضَرَبُوهُ لَكَ إِلَّا جَدَلًا بَلْ هُمْ قَوْمٌ خَصِمُونَ Which means, which basically means in English speaking about the kuffar, speaking about the mushrikeen, the polytheists when they once tried to argue with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and tried to compare their worship of the idols with the worship of the Christians of Isa, of Jesus, the son of Mary, alayhi salam. And they tried to argue and justify their position and tried to catch, you know, catch out the Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed in the ayah in Surah Al-Zukhruf, Speaking about these mushrikeen, they do not strike this parable or this example, this analogy that they are arguing using this analogy to try to justify the worship of their idols. They do not strike it and put it forth to you except out of argumentation, except jadalan, in order to argue, argue their false point. Balhum qawmun khasimun, rather they are a vehemently disputing people. Meaning they argue for falsehood. They, they, they didn't bring this argument forward to the Messenger وسلم, except in order to call for falsehood, in order, to, in, order to, uh, uh, in order for their falsehood to become dominant and to beat what the Muslims and what the, what, what the Prophet وسلم, was calling to, which is the worship of Allah alone. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blamed the mushrikeen for arguing and debating with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this false and, in, uh, in, and wrong manner. But the point is that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam recited this ayah after mentioning what he said. He said, never do a people go astray from the truth, fall into misguidance, balala. Except that they are given to arguing. So this shows, this hadith senses and rebukes the quality of being argumentative. Because it shows that one of the qualities of someone who has gone astray 
is that they fall into arguments and debates. And then he showed the example of this from the Quran and recited this ayah about the mushrikeen that since their, their religion is false and their worship of the idols is false, they argue about it and they try to prove it and they argue with the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And likewise the people of Dalala, the people of misguidance, one of their attributes and qualities is that they argue and they debate in order to show or in order to uh, justify or in order to support their misguidance. Likewise, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said in the hadith, which is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, in Sahih Al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, he said sallallahu alayhi wasallam, inna abghadha rijali ila Allahil aladdul khasim. He said, what means? Verily, the most hated men to Allah are those that are the most vehement in arguing and disputing. The most argumentative. These are the most hated men to Allah. Verily, the most hated of men to Allah are those that are the most vehemently argumentative. Meaning, despite the truth being on the other side, they argue and they debate and they dispute vehemently, falling into injustice, going beyond the bounds. These type of people are the most hated by Allah. And with regards to knowledge, the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith, which has been narrated by, uh, which has also been recorded by At-Tirmidhi and others, and it has been graded authentic by a number of scholars of hadith, including Al-Sheikh Al-Albani, rahimahullah. The Prophet ﷺ said, "Man talab al-ilm liyujari bihi al-ulama." أو ليماري به السفهاء ويصرف به وجوه الناس إليه أدخله الله النار Whoever seeks knowledge in order to vie with the scholars or argue with the foolish and in order to turn people's attention towards him then Allah will put him in the fire Whoever seeks knowledge in order to vie with the scholars or to argue with the foolish or to turn people's attention, turn their faces to him, then Allah will put him in the fire. Likewise from the Salaf we have many statements which censor and blame and rebuke debating and arguing over religious affairs. Some of them, as mentioned previously, some of these statements are in the context of arguing with the people of bid'ah and the people of misguidance and that a Muslim is not supposed to argue and debate with the people of falsehood. Some of these statements are general in the context of 
the fact that argumentation and debate pulls you away from beneficial knowledge and pulls you away from benefiting and worshipping Allah and submitting to Allah and obeying Allah and makes you instead want to beat the other person in argument and it causes fitna, problems and insincerity amongst people. Now basically what we summarized previously what the ulama have said about what types of arguing, when does arguing become blameworthy and when is it allowed and when is it commanded? Then the statements of the salaf are all in this context. Here is a sample of what the imams, the greatest scholars of the salaf said about this subject. How they dealt with issues of argumentation and debate. Al-Hasan al-Basri, al-Imam. Al-Hasan al-Basri, rahimahullah, from the imams of the tabi'een. Once a person came to him and said to him, Ya Aba Sa'id, ta'al, hatta ukhasimaka fiddin. A person once came to Imam Al-Hasan Al-Basri and he said to him, Come, O Abu Sa'id, come so I can argue with you and debate you in the religion. So the response of Imam Al-Hasan, rahimahullah, was, he said, Amma ana, فَقَدْ أَبْصَرْتُ دِينِي فَإِنْ كُنْتَ أَضْلَلْتَ دِينَكَ فَالْتَمِسْهُ He said, as for me, then I have insight, I know my religion, I know my deen. If you have lost yours, if you have lost your deen, then go and find it. And the great Khalifa and scholar, Imam Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, Rahimahullah Ta'ala said, Man ja'ala deenahu gharadan lil khusumati akhtharat tanakkul. Whoever makes his religion a target for argumentation, then he will change his religion a lot. Whoever makes his religion a target for disputation and arguing, then he will change his religion a lot. And this was quoted from Umar ibn Abdul Aziz by Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala also in a situation, in situations that he faced. And this is one of the evils of arguing and debating and disputing about the religion. And that is that a person, if he gets beaten, if he gets overcome, then he has to change his position and he keeps changing his position until he starts changing his religion and flipping and flopping and moving from belief to belief and practice to practice when what he should have done is learnt the religion and stuck to it. One day a person caught up with Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala when the, when the latter was leaving the masjid after prayers. And this person who caught Imam Malik was a person who used to be accused of being upon some bid'ah like al-irja' Believing in the belief of the murji'ah. That is to say, those who say, those, those from uh, uh, that sect, from the deviated sects that said that iman does not include actions. Actions are not part of your faith. Faith is just in the heart. So this person who was accused, or who it was doubted about him whether he's from the murji'ah, or that he, that he fell into this bid'ah of al-irja, 
He came to Imam Malik, he caught Imam Malik outside the masjid one day and he said, Ya Aba Abdullah, Isma' minni shay'an ukallimuka bihi. He said, Oh Abu Abdullah, listen to what I have to say. I want to say something to you. Wa'uhajaka bi ra'yi. And I want to argue or I want to debate you with my, with my views and what I think is right, my, my opinion. So what did Imam Malik say to him? Imam Malik taught him a lesson. He said, فَإِنْ غَلَبْتَنِي Imam Malik said, so if you beat me in the debate, in the, in the discussion, if you beat me, what will happen? The man said, إِنْ غَلَبْتُكَ اتَّبَعْتَنِي He said, if I beat you, then you follow me. So then Imam Malik said, فَإِنْ جَاءَ رَجُلٌ آخَرٌ he said, if another man comes along and he speaks to us and he beats us in debate, in, in the discussion, and he wins the discussion over us, the man said, he said, we'll follow him. So Imam Malik said, Ya Abdullah, O oh servant of Allah. He said, O oh servant of Allah. بَعَثَ اللَّهُ مُحَمَّدًا صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ بِدِينٍ وَاحِدٍ Oh, servant of Allah. Allah sent his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with one religion, with one deen. وَأَرَاكَ تَنْتَقِلُ مِنْ دِينٍ إِلَى دِينٍ And I see you as moving from religion to religion, depending on who beats you in an argument. And then he said, قَالَ عُمَرِ بْنْ عَبْدِ الْعَزِيزِ مَنْ جَعَلَ دِينَهُ غَرَضًا لِلْخُصُومَاتِ أَكْثَرَ التَّنَقُّلِ Then he quoted the, 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 the previous statement that we mentioned from Umar, Al-Imam Umar ibn Abd al-Aziz, Imam Malik quoted him and said, Umar ibn Abd al-Aziz said, whoever makes his religion the target of arguments and debates will change his religion a lot. And finally, likewise, Imam Malik, another situation where he advised how he advised the person how to conduct himself in the religion when that person needed to learn and needed to know what was right from wrong and how to deal with a situation where there is a lot of falsehood and a lot of misguidance around him. He gave him this advice. Once a person from the people of Al-Maghrib, meaning from the lands that were known as Al-Maghrib in that time, which would you know, comprise places like Morocco, Algeria, Northern Africa. A man from the people of Maghrib came to Imam Malik once, and he said to Imam Malik, he said, qibalana. He said, the, the desires, the innovations and heresies are many in our region where I come from. Because at that time, also, there was a lot of bid'ah that had already been spread to the Maghrib. And many of the khawarij and other people of bid'ah were from the Maghrib. So this man came from the Maghrib and he said to Imam Malik, He said, the desires of innovations and heresies are many where I come from. So he said, فَجَعَلْتُ عَلَى نَفْسِي 
in anara'aytuk an akhudha bima ta'muruni he said i have made it a duty on myself that if i see you i'm going to take and i'm going to ask you and i'm going to take what you tell me to do so this is a man who has come to speak to Imam Malik because Imam Malik is from the great scholars of Islam he's from the Imams and, that, and when a person is in trouble in their religion when a person wants guidance then he goes to the people of knowledge for guidance so the man travelled and came to Imam Malik and he wanted to ask him what should I do I live in a place where there's lots of misguidance so I have made it upon myself, I have put it upon myself a duty that if I see you, if I am able to meet you, I'm going to take what you have to say to me and I'm going to take your instruction. Because the person who doesn't know is supposed to ask the people of knowledge and seek safety and security for his own religion by going to the people who can be trusted. And Imam Malik was one such Imam. Even in his time, he was known as one of the kibar, as one of the senior and most qualified and most trustworthy, impeccable scholars on the face of the earth. He was an imam in his own time. So the man came to Malik and he said, look, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm asking you, tell me what to do. So then Imam Malik, what did he say to him? What did he tell him? He said, فَوَصَفَ لَهُ Malik شَرَاعِعَ islam." So Al-Imam Malik taught him and described to him the institutions of Islam. Az-Zakah, how to do Zakah, how to pray As-Salah, fasting, As-Sawm, Al-Hajj, how to do Hajj. And then he said, because these, these are the most important things to take care of in your religion, your beliefs and your five pillars of Islam. So he described to him the institutions, the pillars of Islam. Az-Zakah and Salah and Sawm, fasting and Hajj. Then he said to him, خُذْ بِهَذَا He said, take this. وَلَا تُخَاصِمْ أَحَدًا فِي شَيْءٍ He said, take this and don't argue, don't dispute about anything with anyone. Learn your religion, learn your deen, take your religion, practice your pillars of Islam, practice your religion and don't argue with anyone about anything. This is what you need to do. And with that, we conclude today's reminder about the fact that arguing and disputation is not from the religion of Islam. When a person argues in a way that will cause splitting and differences and fitna, or it will cause a person to speak about Allah's religion without knowledge, or it will cause enmity between the Muslims and it is not done in order to establish and in order to ascertain the truth uh, in order to give nasiha advice or in order to arrive at the truth this also includes what was innovated into the religion of, dispute, uh, of disputing and arguing over issues of halal and haram which the fuqaha, the true scholars of Islam from the imams like Imam Ahmad, Imam Malik, Ash-Shafi'i and others, they rebuked and this was not their way to sit and argue and debate about issues of fiqh and to argue fruitlessly 
about these matters and to, and to widen the scope of such argumentation such that they would write books and refute each other and argue until we started to get sectarian differences between schools of thought. This was a practice that was innovated. And as such, remember that we are talking about two things. How we recognizing knowledge for ourselves and recognizing who the scholars are, the attributes of the scholars. Because the first attribute of the, the reliable, true scholar is that he has knowledge. And we have been looking at those things after defining knowledge. We've been looking at those things which are not regarded as knowledge. One of them is this type of debating and arguing and disputation about religious affairs. This is not the way of the scholars. And the true scholars, if you want to know a true scholar, he's a, he's a person who has great knowledge, but he doesn't argue and dispute. And he doesn't enter into this sectarian type of uh, disputes and differences uh, because of his personal school of thought or because of a, a madhab or a school that he follows. Rather, he sticks to the truth. And he wants the truth. And he wants everybody else to be upon the truth. And likewise for ourselves when studying the religion. And if we want to be students of knowledge or we want to study, then we should also recognize that this is not an area uh, where a person becomes knowledgeable by delving into it. Looking into the disputes between, uh, you, know, uh, you know, sticking to one school of thought and having bigotry and ta'asub and having... Uh, you know, uh, partisanship to one school of thought uh, in issues of halal and haram and, and then arguing with other people on that basis in order to beat them and in order to support my group or my particular school or my masjid or my sheikh or whatever the case then this is not from the religion and it is not from knowledge no matter how much a person speaks and argues in this way it is not from knowledge. Rather, it could be from ignorance. It could be from his ignorance and his, and his uh, deviation, his being a deviant that he speaks like this and that he argues like this. And, that, and, and we learn from the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that in fact, yes, argumentation and, and disputing and being argumentative is one of the signs of a person who is upon misguidance. أقول هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله